Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of All Things College and Career. Today, we have Mac Pritchard. He is the founder and publisher of Mac's List, a job board and career hub for the Pacific Northwest, with a mission to create more human hiring processes to improve the workforce for all. Mac's List was founded in Portland, Oregon in 2001 and became a certified B corporation in 2017. Today, Max List serves job seekers and employers in Oregon and Washington with their top-tier job board as well as courses, books, events, and other resources that bring people together to find better jobs and happier careers. Mac has built two small businesses on the strength of his professional network, and he has taught thousands of people how to grow their careers through relationships with others. Mac shows job seekers and employers how to break down the barriers between them by teaching empathy, curiosity, and people-focused hiring with a practical nuts and bolts style. Yes, he does. So Mac is also the author of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere and the host of the weekly career advice podcast, Find Your Dream Job. Which I highly recommend both. And Mm -hmm. definitely you should check those out and we will include those links in the show notes. But in this episode of All Things College and Career, we'll talk to Mac about how to hack the hidden job market, how to get ahead through networking, and the art of the informational interview. And Mac imparts his expertise and professional advice on those areas. So if you're interested, you should tune in. Yeah, absolutely. So enough of our intro. Let's get on to our podcast and interview with Mac. Let's do it. Hello, Mac Pritchard. Welcome to All Things College and Career. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me, Meg. Hello, Mac. So excited to have you today. We have learned a lot about you and we can't wait to get right to it. But as you probably know from listening to our podcast, that we like to start off by asking three things you love about your job. So I'm going to ask you three things you love about being a communication strategist, a career expert, a PR pro and business owner. You have a lot going on, so I had to had to list them out. Well, I've been so fortunate to have a lot of different jobs and several different careers, but there is a constant that runs through them, and and that's wanting to make a difference about issues I care about or or make a difference in the community where I live and work. So that's one thing, and then the other is the the jobs I have now and the ones I've had in the past have allowed me to to be of service to others. I've worked in government for nonprofits. Uh, I've worked on political campaigns or for in the public relations world, social change organizations. And being able to provide service and be of service to others is, is really important. And the third thing is just the opportunity to learn. Uh, it's And I think that when you have jobs that allow you to keep learning, and you can do that in any position, I, I think you just it makes the work so much more interesting and so many more opportunities present themselves as as you get better and better at what you do. Sure. And I think the service to others sounds like something that probably drives you. It is. Uh, it's an important value for, for me. It was for my parents as well. And, and, mm. and a part of my Catholic education, I went to parochial schools and a Catholic high school. And uh, yep. so that's been a constant in, in my career. Right. We didn't go to parochial schools, but we certainly uh, had the Catholic upbringing. So <laughs> and, we, know, and, we know a lot about what you're talking about. And our parents shared that. Mm. We had the same service to others, Mm -hmm. values instilled in us. But on that note, we do want to say you've had a vast and 
really interesting career history. And we noted that recently you were just on another podcast called Work from the Inside Out with Tammy Guler. Lobe. So I'd like to uh, give her a shout out for a wonderful podcast. And, and I'd like to ask our listeners to head on over and to listen to that podcast if you want to really dive into Mac's early career history in Boston and his work in Central America, his work with Joe Kennedy on a campaign, a spokesperson for the Big Dig and his social and political work. So that was really interesting. And we really encourage you to head on over there. But we'd like to focus our podcast on more on your current work. But we do want to turn back the clock just a bit. And you went to undergrad at the University of Iowa, where you earned your BA in political science. And then And as you said, started out at Assumption High School, but then you earned a master's degree after a bit of a work break there at the Harvard Kennedy School and got a master's in public administration there. And I just wanted to ask you briefly about that experience because I loved what you said that from meeting others, you thought, wow, this is possible. I could do this as well. And maybe that thought had never crossed your mind before. It hadn't. As I shared with Tammy in her show, and it's a terrific program. She draws people out about their career stories, and you can learn so much from hearing those stories. Exactly, Um, yeah. Yeah, but having lived and worked in Boston for eight years, I met lots of people uh, because I worked in government and politics in Boston who either taught at the Kennedy School or had gone to school there. And and I say this humbly, but after meeting a number of people – I thought, well, these are smart people, but I'm as smart as they are. And right. I remember, and I, this is not an uncommon experience. Uh, I also thought about running for office in my 30s. And while I was at the Kennedy School, I had an instructor who had been the Speaker of the Assembly in Wisconsin, and uh, he ran a class about running for local office. And he asked, I took it and he said, you know, why are you thinking about doing this? And I said, well, I have been working with legislators. And just as had happened when I thought about applying for the Kennedy School, I realized I I met a lot of legislators who were really smart and some that were maybe not so smart. And this is, it's, right. it's yeah. once you see something up close and, and you can do this through- It demystifies it. demystifies it. <laughs> it and it, it seems possible. Yeah. Um, exactly. And I, I would say about Harvard, and this is not a humble brag, on paper, I might not have seen a good candidate for an Ivy League graduate school. I had less than a three-point grade point average at, at the University of Iowa. I'd actually taken an incomplete. It took me a number of years to finish my degree. And so I had kind of a checkered academic career. But when I was thinking about applying, I approached it the way I think many people should approach their job search. I went out and I talked to people who had gone to the school. I asked them why they did it, uh, what they'd learned from the experience, and and how they'd prepared their applications. And then I shared the challenges that I thought I faced and the questions I thought an admissions committee might have about my application. And then I asked for advice about how to overcome those challenges or address them in my applications. Right. And that made, I think, a big difference. Uh, and it certainly, again, took the mystery out of the process. Right. Because you would say a 3.0 doesn't normally get you into Harvard. So there must have been something else you were doing. Yes. And the advice I got was, <laughs> well, talk about your career and what you've accomplished to date in these 10 years. And right. then this school likes to invest in people who know where they're going. So be clear about your goals and then show how the school is going to help you achieve those goals. Uh, you don't have to run for right. the U.S. Senate. Maybe your goal is to run for city council back in Montana or uh, for a local office sure. in Western Mass. But what 
mattered uh, to the admissions committee, according to people who advised me, was that you had clear goals and a plan for achieving them, and you were going to show how the experience at the school was going to help you be successful. Right. And you clearly did that. I did. (laughs) So that's great. And I would say about careers too, uh, hiring managers are like admissions committees at Ivy League universities. They want to know why you want to be there, what your goals are, and how working at that organization is not only going to help you achieve your goals, but the company's goals as well. In other words, what can you do for them? That's a perfect analogy. I love that. Mm. And I love your candidness about saying that you weren't the, you know, the top student coming out of undergrad, because I really think that helps others to realize possibilities in that you can overcome adversity to some degree. But you also uh, touched upon in your podcast with Work From the Inside Out about how you were brought a work twice in your life and were down to the last unemployment check once and actually ran out of them another time. And maybe it was that experience and your lack of knowing how to effectively look for work that may have helped you to grow into what you're doing today. Does that sound right to you? It does. It, and as I shared with Amy, after college graduation, I had three great jobs in a row. Uh, One came through a newspaper ad. Another was a result of an internship I'd had with the organization. And the third was uh, through a referral. So I thought the fourth job would come fast and easy and didn't. And that's when I was out of work. I think you got 30 unemployment checks in those years uh, for, uh, Mm -hmm. in the end, almost 10 months. And the reason I got stuck was I didn't know how to look for work other than, this was a long time ago, other than look at newspaper ads. And today it would be job boards. Right. And you also lacked focus or uh, I did. I I was uncertain about what I wanted to do. There were lots of things I could do, written grants. I'd I'd worked in public relations. I, I had experience in foreign policy. And I applied for jobs in those and many other areas. And I often got interviews but I never got an offer because the hiring manager I, I expect could see that I was unclear about what I wanted to do. And hiring managers, they don't, they're, tr- they're trying to reduce risk because if they hire somebody and it doesn't work out, right. it's not good for the candidate. It's not good for the company. You're right. They don't want the position they're trying to fill to be like a learning experience for someone. Exactly. So a place to find yeah. yourself. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we had yeah. uh, Dr. Dawn Graham on as a guest and she talked about looking at the interview process or the hiring process from the employer's perspective, which I thought was such a helpful idea that, you know, oftentimes a hiring person is worried that you're not going to work out or that they're going to look bad by hiring you. So unless you really um, convey to them that you can do the job and that you're interested in it and you're passionate about it and that you're easy to work with and easy to train. I think that is such an important point you're making because so many people, and I did this earlier in my career as well, use the hiring process as kind of a discovery process. Well, I think I could do this job. I could do that job. Why don't I go in and talk to them about it and see if it interests me? And that's not what matters to employers. They want to know, do you want their job? And because you'll be competing against other people yeah. who do. So that's why it's so important mm-hmm. that you're clear about your goals And not only about your personal goals, but about what you can do for the employer. Mm. You need to show how you're going to solve their problems. And I think that's why I struggled that first time when I was out of work and 
Uh, the second time was uh, eight years later, and I was I again struggled with goal setting, and I was unclear about what I wanted to do. And it, it came through loud and clear, I think, in the interviews. And uh, what helped me in that instance was going out and volunteering and building and growing a network. Right, which is kind of inspired yeah, where you volunteering. are. Volunteering. Yeah. yeah. And I just love your passion to help others to not go through that struggle that you went through because you learned so much in that process. <laughs> I did. And in exactly. many ways, I was a slow learner because I had to go through it twice. But I, well. I, <laughs> but it certainly did teach me the value of mastering job hunting as a skill. And that is an important value for us at the regional job board I run. We don't only post job listings. We recognize that most jobs are filled through referrals and the people who get them are, are good at job hunting. And the people who have the best careers, the most enjoyable and satisfying careers, know how to look for work well and know what they want and can show employers what they can do for them. Right. And you're talking right now about Matt's List. Yes. Which is one of your companies. And it is a job board that is serving the Pacific Northwest. Right. It is. I run two companies. One is Matt's List, which is a regional career hub. And and the other is Pritchard Communications, which is a public relations company that works with foundations, nonprofits, and public agencies. Which is fabulous. And one thing I've learned about both of your companies is that they are both, and I want to congratulate you on this, they're both certified B corporations, which for people that didn't know, because honestly, I didn't know, I had to look that up, is that you are legally required to consider the impact of your decisions on workers, customers, suppliers, community, and the environment. I think wow. a lot of companies have jumped on this that I want to be responsible, and I think it's really admirable. Absolutely. It's a global movement, the B Corps. This is a, they're, they're called benefit corporations, and they're happening mm -hmm. not only in the United States, but around the world. And these are companies that are managing not just for profit, but for, for community and social benefit as well. Right. And environmental. Yes. A lot of them are reaching towards beating the goals of the Paris Agreement. So I think that's, it's admirable. I was really impressed. So anyway, talk to us a little bit about each of your companies. I know you started MaxList first and has a lot of great resources on there. But if you would like to share with our... Founded in 2001. 2001. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're coming up on our 20th anniversary. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's hard to believe that because when you see 2001, you think, well, it's just a couple of years ago, right? <laughs> I know, right? No. <laughs> where has time gone? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. If you don't mind, I'll just share with the listeners. It's kind of an interesting story there that you started out by, Maxless started out as an email list sharing job opportunities with some of your colleagues. And yeah. then that grew into a website. And now it's a premier job board in the Pacific Northwest and you offer courses, books and events. So what makes your job board unique, would you say? There are many good job boards out there. I think what makes ours different is helping job seekers get good at job hunting as a skill. And we offer that content that you mentioned. And most of it is free. We also help employers get better at hiring. We serve mm. largely small and medium-sized companies. And so our typical company that posts with us, and we sell about 800 listings a month, might have you know, 15, 20, 25 employees. We do have some bigger companies, but I think it's important to recognize that because most organizations that employ people are smaller and most people who do hiring, they've actually got another job entirely. They, they're, they're not in HR. They, they haven't been trained in writing job postings or 
how to manage a hiring process and uh, or trained in interviewing. And so they're well-intentioned, but often the hiring experience for the candidate is not great. They don't hear back from employers. They Even sometimes when they have interviews, uh, job postings can be confusing, uh, long-winded. Uh, often they don't include salary ranges. Yeah. And a lot of these mistakes are, are just unintentional. So we try to help employers get better at hiring. And our overall mission is, is to make hiring more humane. Huh, I love that. Nobody really stops to think about how, you know, there's a talent coming from the employer's end as well. You always just think there's an art to the interview, but it comes from both sides. Yeah, right. It's a good point. Something I just wanted to mention briefly, on your Max list, you publish a list of the top career podcasts. You put out a list every year. I was just curious if you have a favorite on that list. (laughs) They're all my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I would say this. He was in politics. (laughs) (laughs) I was. Um, I think that your your favorite show, yeah, it is hard to pick, but one of the reasons we do the guide is because people have different needs and maybe they want to get good at interviewing. Maybe they want to focus on negotiation. Uh, maybe they're unclear about their career purpose and how to set goals. And there are actually shows devoted just to those topics. That's, I know, it's amazing. Right. Yeah, it yeah. is amazing, isn't it? And But you can do that in podcasting as well as blogs because you don't need a huge audience to sustain a, a show or a website. Just a few thousand listeners or readers can make all the difference. So sure. the guide, there are actually more than 100 shows listed, but it's easy to skim it and see which Shows might be of best interest to you wherever you are in in your career. Well, I noticed on your website that you can click on resumes and you have the podcasts that talk about resumes. And so that's that's really helpful, actually. Yeah. And on our show, we do have a weekly podcast at Max List called Find Your Dream Job. And we focus on the nuts and bolts of job hunting. We get really granular with our guests and we've done multiple shows on resumes and people might say, well, how, how is that possible? Isn't one episode enough? But there's so many different a- angles you can take. Approaches. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And they're and they're always evolving due to application tracking systems and so forth. But I do have to give your podcast a shout out. I listen to it regularly. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful to anyone looking for a job, but also us career advisors that are looking for helpful information to pass along. Thank you. But yep. Anyway, we do want to move along, just talk briefly about Pritchard Communications for a Better World, founded in 2007. You are also the president of that. And something I picked up on that I thought was interesting is your approach is working backwards with clients, sort of figuring out their goals and working backward from there, which I thought was interesting, but also that you host a, a big networking for social change, the Portland 10. So I didn't know if you wanted to just briefly talk about Pritchard Communications. Absolutely. I, well, I started my career working in public relations for uh, a human rights organization in DC. And that's where I learned my communication skills. We pitched national and international media about, about human rights stories in Latin America and And that led to jobs working in communications and politics and government. At Pritchard, we serve, as I think I mentioned, foundations and nonprofits and government agencies. And we do it because uh, our clients have stories to tell, but they also have goals and change that they want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. We are big fans of what is often called reverse mapping, starting from where the results you want and working backwards. And actually, probably appreciate this in your listeners in New England. I'd learned that from 
my boss at the big dig, he had worked in the legislature in Massachusetts in the 80s, and he had staffed a, a legislator who wanted to repeal the blue laws. Do you remember those when the grocery stores were closed on Sundays? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. yeah. And the first yep. time he took a, he and his boss took a, a run at that, they thought logic alone would carry the day. And uh-huh. there were lots of wow. interest groups that liked the way things were. And right. my boss and his, his boss got crushed. So for the next session, he thought, okay, if I want the governor to sign this bill, what are the steps leading up to that that have to happen? And he just worked backwards and figured it out. And they, they did win the next time. And that's the approach mm. we ask our clients to consider, because often people will want to start with a tactic. Well, we need a website. We need a, a brochure. We should get on Snapchat. But what really they, we encourage them to think about instead is, what is the result you want? It usually falls into mm-hmm. one of three buckets. It's usually something about money. They want a grant, an appropriation, an increase in membership revenue. Second thing is often a policy change. They want something, a rule adopted, a practice um, created at a, at a government. Or And the third thing is they want to grow their audiences. They want to attract more people. Mm. So whatever the result they want, we say, okay, let's define that, and then we'll figure out the strategies and the tactics that you need in your communications program to make that happen. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, it really yeah, does. Like that. And yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. So if it's okay, I think I'd like to pivot at this point and get into some nitty gritty tips that may help our listeners. We want to tap into all of your knowledge that you could share with the listeners. So the first topic we want to approach or what's the word I'm searching for? Get into, (laughs) thank you, is how to hack the hidden job market. So you talked about a little bit your personal history of just applying to what in that day was newspaper or classified ads, but today it would just be job job boards, boards, postings, and didn't have much success. So what is this hidden job market you're talking about? These are the jobs that are filled by word of mouth. They usually are are never posted anywhere, or if they are, it's just for a very limited time. There are estimates out there that as many as 40 to 80% of all positions uh, are never publicly advertised. Nobody knows, but the point is you've got to recognize that because that's how the system works. And the reason it happens is because hiring managers want to manage risk. And so they look to people they've worked with in the past when they're thinking about candidates or they look for recommendations from people they know and trust. And if you recognize that that's how the system works, then you can make the system work for you. Most people, though, because often they don't know any better, they spend 100% of their time on job boards. And yeah. uh, and so they're, they may be seeing only you know 20 to 60% of the jobs out there. And the other thing that happens is the people who are good at finding these so-called hidden jobs, and they're hiding in plain sight. You can't find them. Uh, they, the people who do learn how to do informational interviews, how to volunteer strategically, how to network. And, and so that's why it's so important to learn job hunting skills. The folks who spend 100% or maybe 90% of their time on the job boards, they spend a lot of time filling out applications and they never hear back. And when you're job hunting, relationships are so important and you've got to really invest time in them. So I I would recommend, I run a job board and I'll tell you, uh, if you're spending more than 30 or 40% of your job hunting time looking at my job board, you're going to have a frustrating job search. Uh, You really need Mm -hmm, to step away 
from the computer and get good at job hunting skills like informational interviews, like networking, and, and invest in things like net volunteering. Something you quote I pulled off your website is you say, when you set career goals and have a solid search strategy, great things will happen. So when you're seeking out the hidden job market, do you want to be targeted in your approach? Absolutely. You, you can't be all things to all employers. So you got to set a goal. And if you're struggling with that, you got to invest the time to get clear about your goals. And there are a number of ways you can do that. You can work with career coaches. If you're a graduate of a university or a college, many institutions offer free services to their alumni. So you could start there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Every state has a, an employment department and they have terrific career coaches there. You can also work with private coaches or you, some people like to figure it out on their own using books and materials and online courses. But you got to invest the time to get clear about those goals. I have done it in my career by talking to others through informational interviews. These are structured conversations where you introduce yourself and your goals. You ask specific questions about opportunities that interest you and get introductions to other people. And it's not unlike the story I shared about figuring out how to get into Harvard. You know, My goal was to get accepted there. Well, if you're doing a job search and you know or you're interested in working at one or maybe four or five different companies, invest the time in talking to people who work there, find out how they got there, what the needs and challenges of the company are, and what opportunities are coming up. You'll have a lot more success and you'll, and you'll also get much clearer about your goals by the, uh, having those conversations. You'll have more success than you would, say, watching the websites of those firms and sending in applications and hoping somebody will call you so you can have an interview and perhaps a conversation. What do you think the best way to approach someone for an informational interview is? Say you don't know the person, maybe going on LinkedIn and seeing if you can make a contact or cold call. How would you recommend people do that? Introductions are always best. So I would mm -hmm. recommend people start with their own network. And again, I think there are two ways you can approach this. One is you've done your goal setting work. You know this is the position you want. You've made a short list of companies that interest you, maybe 15 or 25 firms. And then you can use informational interviews to talk to people inside those organizations about the opportunities that interest you and use those uh, meetings to get clear about the needs of employers who offer the jobs you want and ask for insights into opportunities that might be coming up, as well as introductions to the people in the company. The second mm -hmm. way, if you are, are still doing your career setting work, and you say have come up with a list of two or three jobs, different jobs that interest you, but you're not sure which one, informational interviews are a great way to, to talk to people who have those jobs, find out what a typical day is like, what's rewarding about the positions, what, what's challenging, and get feedback about your own prospects as a candidate. And when you have those conversations, say you're considering three different goals. My experience has been that you figure out pretty quickly after having five or 10 of those meetings, which goal you're most excited about. And the other two will fall off the list. And then with that clarity, you can invest, you can actually move ahead in your search and continue to build your network and find out about opportunities that may never be advertised. Right. And I was going to say, inevitably, if you're listening to someone describe their job and what the typical day is like and things like that, it's either going to sound great or you're going to hear a thing or two that you just do not want to do or it's not you. Yeah. So, right. It makes a lot of sense to do that research. 
I like that. Talking to the yeah. person that's actually in the job, <laughs> it's right. makes all the difference. Absolutely. Yeah, from the outside, is, things can look so glamorous, but once you're in that office, right. Right. Uh, you you might get have a very different reaction. Sure. Right. And the flip side of that is that if it is a position that you are really excited about and interested in, people in general want to help others, I find, in that sure. they may not have a job for you, but they may connect you with a few people or put you in touch with a professional organization, which would help grow your abilities or whatever else, you know, people are generally willing to help. So you can gain a lot from those experiences, I would say. I agree. And it, it's often when people don't respond, it's because we aren't very specific in making our requests. Right, and, right. And, you know, we've talked about the importance of having clear goals when going out and seeking informational interviews. And I think once you know what those goals are in the companies, then you can look within your network and find people who are in those positions and approach them. But you've got to be clear about what it is you want. So often... Right. People send notes saying, could we get together for coffee or could I pick your brain? And it's well-intentioned, but the recipient of a message like that, I think, well, am I going to have to leave the building? Is this going to be like an hour? And what's our agenda? Right. Uh, and it is right. a business meeting. And if you're calling it, you're in charge. And as with any business meeting, you've got to run it and you've got to have a clear sense of your agenda and what the outcomes are that you want. Right. And you need to be respectful of their time because exactly. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're busy. So, right. If you're clear and you maybe you let them know I'm only going to take 15 minutes of your time or things of that nature. Right. And another good tip we picked up somewhere, I can't remember where, but somebody mentioned giving time frames like as possibilities, not to dictate the meeting time, but if somebody has to go to a calendar and come up with a time or anything that would discourage them from responding maybe <laughs> right. like yeah. if you Make offer like them. I'm available Monday, Wednesday, Friday between blah blah and blah blah if they look at their calendar and say oh I'm open then I guess I could fit that in it makes their job easier yeah, yeah absolutely I, I love that because it, it's all about making it easy for the other person to say yes and yeah, yeah you don't want to deter them in any way I love what you said about networking that it's uh, for you more about giving and helping others and that's I think the general feeling about networking is it's got a little bit of sliminess to it and it's not something people generally feel comfortable doing in a lot of times. But how would you describe networking? Networking is about helping others and it's about giving to others without any ex expectation of of receiving anything in return. You're right, the popular image that comes to mind when people hear the word networking is the airport holiday inn function room and there's some guy <laughs> yeah. or lady walking around the room and she thinks success or he does uh, is collecting as many business cards as possible. But right. uh, what do you do with all those cards when you get back? You're better served by having a couple of conversations and asking lots of questions and listening and thinking about what you could do for others. And it's not just going to events. It's saying yes when people ask, ask for informational interviews. Uh, it's about volunteering for in your community, whether it's for cause you care about or perhaps the, the events committee for the, the professional association in your field. Yeah, it's about service. Right. And ultimately, when you do that, usually there's a return on that. When you're helping others, sometimes it comes back. It does. Circle, for so. sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And I mean, Maxless is a perfect example that grew out of you helping others, sending them, hey, check this job out, check that job out, trying to help people get ahead. <laughs> and, and it grew for you out of that. But absolutely. And I just think 
in terms of volunteering experiences, you get so connected within the community, depending on what you're doing, but a lot can grow out of those experiences too. It can. And I think when you think about networking, you do, and how it can help your career, you do want to be thoughtful about it. Good point. And often people say to me, if I could just meet the people at this company or at this organization, often those people are leaders in their field and they are involved in the local chapter of the relevant professional association. So they're at the the monthly luncheon program. They're serving on the board Mm -hmm. or committee of the chapter. And you shouldn't volunteer just to meet these people, but you will meet them if you uh, sign up, if you work in public relations for your local public relations society of America chapter and agree to run the lunch program. Try to be a little bit more deliberate in where you're volunteering and if it lines up with your goals. Yeah, it reminds me of the analogy where if you (laughs) if you're trying to I'm going off tangent here, but if you want to meet someone, you know, you're looking for someone to date or whatever, they say, well, do things that interest you. Mm-hmm. And you'll naturally meet people that share your interests instead of forcing a situation. So I think the analogy works here that if there's a professional group that shares your interests, you go there because that's that's what you love and you're inevitably going to make great networking connections. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I, I love that because people choose the professions they, they do because they do care about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what tips do you have for introverts that don't want to get out and about? And how can, yeah. they, how can they network? Play to your strengths. So if you're an introvert and it's, it's just a way of, different way of getting energy, think about what you like to do. Maybe you're a photographer and you want to get involved in professional association and they need someone to take pictures at the annual conference. You have a role, you're, you're doing what you enjoy, and you will meet people along yeah. the way. Maybe you like systems or uh, so volunteer for the registration desk and you're going to meet everyone one-on-one during the course of the event. And you're also, again, going to show people who are involved in the organization what you can do. I mean, I think that's a great tip. Knowing, like having a role. I mean, I'm thinking of my husband because he's an introvert. (laughs) And if he has a job, if he goes into a situation where there's a lot of people, whatever, but he has a purpose or a job or a role, he is totally comfortable. But if he has to go in and just kind of mingle, forget about it, you know? So I love that you said, have a role, have a purpose, know what you're going to do there. And And, that will probably help put you at ease. And if you aren't interested in volunteering, be clear about what success is. Often people think that they've got to talk to dozens of folks or collect a lot of business cards. But just having one or two, even three conversations for 10 or 15 minutes with others that new people you haven't met before, that's success. And so set a goal. Sure. Say, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to talk to two people I don't know. And the other thing you can do is go with a buddy, but don't spend all your time together. But make, <laughs> right. make a point of going up and talking to the goals to new people. Do it with your buddy. And if you're clear about what your, the expectations are, then you can leave the event knowing, okay, I set this, this goal and I achieved it. And that's success. Absolutely. That's a great tip. Bring a buddy. So I just had a quick question, and this is kind of off topic, but I'm curious because I have never worked on the West Coast. How do you find it different from the East Coast? It's different tempo in Portland, Oregon, where I'm based. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly the pace is a little faster in Seattle and San Francisco, but it is things are a little slower here. Uh, yeah. It's 
and you find there's good work-life balance. Uh, mm. Even people who work at, who have big jobs have regular lives. I've been out here 20 years, 20 plus years, actually. For a couple right. of years, I worked in the governor's office way back in the 1990s in the communications department. And the governor went home every day at five. Wow. Wait a minute. <laughs> Life that is good. <laughs> Yeah. You're coming, not... Are you coming back at six? <laughs> no. The whole thing. No. Uh, and that, that did not happen when I was in politics in Boston. I did not work in the no. governor's office, but it was very common for people to be at their desks at six o'clock or 630. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and there's even more of that, of course, in places like Washington, D.C. and New York. Oh, I'm sure. sure. Yeah. So on an entirely different note, have you seen Shalane Flanagan running around out there in Portland, Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> She's one of our faves. She's one of no, our I, favorite runners. I, I have not. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the Nike, Nike campus is over on the other side of the river for where I am. Oh, but, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She was She was native of this area, Marblehead, Mass., I believe. Yeah. I don't know. I shouldn't profess things about somebody I've never met before, but I think she's from that well, area. Boston loves her, so she's yeah. got to be pretty yeah. close to Boston. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. I just yeah. thought we'd ask you that. But anyway. Well, now that we have that important piece of information nailed down, I think we're ready for the rapid fire section of the podcast. Not sure why we call it rapid fire, but sometimes it's rapid, sometimes it's not. Anyway, are you ready for that? I think I'm ready. For, do okay. you mix it up for every show or is it the same set of questions? Oh, no. No, I mixed I mix it up. I mean, okay. I might be you might hear a repeat, but you're not going to get off that easy. Yeah, okay. we, we definitely bring some back occasionally, but yeah. yeah, we do. Okay, so if you weren't doing what you are doing now, what would you be doing? I think I'd be in Spain working on my Spanish. I took a sabbatical mm. earlier this year or last year rather in March, and because I turned sixty, and I spent a month taking seven hours of Spanish classes every Good for day. You. Yeah, wow. yeah. It was a good experience. Uh, it was very humbling. I have intermediate Spanish and all my colleagues were in high school or, or university. They were very kind to right. me. So oh, yeah. That's great. But it's, it's hard to learn a language. It is, especially when you're not young, very young. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I do think you need a, an immersion trip there to fine tune it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Put that on the bucket list. Yeah, okay. I'd like to do that again. <laughs> Three words you would use to describe yourself. Curious, uh, energetic, and humble. Awesome. I love that. Those are great three words for sure. Um, if you could sit down with anyone dead or alive, who would that be? I've got a picture of Franklin Delano Roosevelt in my office. I, he would oh, love man. to talk to him. So I, yeah. I'm yeah. a big a fan of politics, history. Yeah, I would love to meet FDR, and I would love to see what he might be thinking about today's political climate, but I won't go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. How many hours of sleep do you need? Seven. Oh, that's not bad. No. Yeah. I like to get eight, but I can work on seven. <laughs> seven works okay. Works in a pinch. Yes. Seven works in a pinch. I mean, three works in a pinch. Let's yeah. Be honest, let's be we, honest. Uh, depending on, right? Yeah. And had one too many um, of those. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, book you would recommend. One of my favorite books, I read it in college, I've gone back to it a couple of times, is a travel book called In Patagonia. It's by Bruce Chatwin. And mm-hmm. I read it when I was an undergraduate. He grew up in the UK and his mother had this bit of fur in a curio cabinet. He asked about it when he was a boy. He said, oh, your Uncle Charlie brought that back from Patagonia, which is a region of Chile and, and Argentina. 
Right. And and so he set out later as an adult to find where that patch of fur came from. It was from a cave in Chilean Patagonia. And so he tells the story of his uncle and how he came to be in Argentina in the 1890s. But he also tells the story of the region and the history of Patagonia. There was a Welsh colony there in the 1890s that persisted for almost 100 years. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid passed through the area Hmm. after they were in Bolivia. All kinds of stories like that. And I love that book. read it a couple of times. And I've actually been to that cave in Chile. So it's... Wow. That's excellent. That's great. So you read the book and then visited the cave or vice versa? I read the book when I was in college and I I, I said, I I want to go there one day. And and I did about 10 years ago. Oh, well, I'm glad you picked that book. That's perfect. Yeah, that is great. I love that story. I need to get there. Okay. Least favorite chore? Filling out my timesheet. <laughs> <laughs> you seriously have yeah, to that- fill out a timesheet? Uh, I work at a, for a public relations company. It's all about billable hours. Oh, oh okay. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Now- so it's a consulting hours. Yeah, I would hate that too. Yeah, that's that sounds tedious. terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> necessary, though, very necessary. Yeah. Okay. Are you a Mr. Fix-It or a duct tape kind of guy? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Uh, definitely duct tape, but I, I outsource as much as I can. Yeah. There you go. You know when you, hey, I'm no shade here. <laughs> you know when it's out of your wheelhouse is what you're saying. Oh, I do. And, uh, yeah. and I, my my father it can do anything with hammer and nails, and he's built porches and additions, and I can barely wow. hit a nail yeah. with a hammer. So, oh, wow, he's showing you, you know, out. Sometimes I miss a generation. These days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> skips a generation. These skips a generation. These, uh, genetic yeah. traits that they. <laughs> Sure, right. Okay. Best piece of advice you have given or just a really good piece of advice you've been given? You know, I think the best piece would be don't wait to be picked. So many people, they want to do something. And job hunting is a great example of this. And again, I I certainly did this early in my career. You think, oh, I'd love to work there one day. I hope that happens. Or I'll keep an eye on the website and I'll send in an application. And if you know where you want to go, don't wait to be picked. Start talking to people there now. Right. Yep. Great advice. That is great. Yeah. We might say, when someone says to me, what's the best piece of advice someone's giving you? (laughs) We're going to steal that one now. (laughs) Go, please do. Pass that forward. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pay it forward. Okay. Two more. Are you a good cook? I am not. I'm a great dishwasher. Uh, (laughs) So my wife does the cooking, which is ironic because in high school and college, I I worked as a cook in restaurants. Um, Oh, well, that that did you in. Sorry to those restaurants. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was, uh, you know, I I was doing breakfast and lunch and, and then the dinner program, everything was in packages and there were these big books that you would follow and but it was actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great preparation for politics because my job was to run what was called the wheel. So the the tickets were on the wheel, and we would push out six hundred dinners a night. Wow. And I had f- five or six cooks in the line, and my job was to assign the work as it came in by looking at Jeez. the tickets on the wheel, and then. There were like a dozen waiters on the other side. And it's a lot of people yelling wow. and screaming. And, Sounds pretty fast uh, paced. Yeah. High, yeah. High yeah, pressure. Yeah. yeah. And hot temperatures too, because you're right there. Wow. Yeah. The stove. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But I kept my cool. So it was a great preparation for doing crisis communications for elected officials. Definitely. You, yeah, perfect. You know, we, <laughs> we never know what skills we're picking up in these 
what we would consider not professional positions, I guess, although cooking certainly is. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. But no, I mean, and, you know, it's even summer jobs as a kid in high school or whatever, you pick up things that can serve you well throughout life. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the thing about that is that when you have a future job interview and you're reaching for, do I have these skills? It's something like that you can reach back to and say, hey, this obviously isn't the same field, but I did this manage that under all that pressure and stress and that I can parlay that into this position. So I love that. Okay. Last one. What do you do to de-stress? I like to go to the movies uh, and I like to go to the theater. Hmm. So we're fortunate in Portland. Right. We have more than a dozen single screen theaters and four or five of them are within cycling or walking distance of my house. So. Oh, nice. Do you cycle around? I do. I bike to work and back. It's about two miles each way. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Doing that for 20 years now. That's great to be able to do that. It's a great way to kind of get ready for the day when you're thinking about what's coming up and, and then just to sort of get rid of the cares of the day as you go home because you're getting 25 minutes of exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, hey, you made it through the rapid fire gauntlet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like a pro. And you did it beautifully. And thank you you so much, Mac, for coming on and sharing all your great knowledge. We didn't really get to touch too much on your weekly podcast, find your dream job or your book, land your dream job anywhere. But we definitely encourage our listeners to head on over and check those out. And we'll include those links in the show notes notes. But thanks so much for coming on and, you know, really imparting such great advice and just interesting story for all our listeners today. Well, thank you both. All right, Matt. Well, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. That was such a great interview with Mac. He had such a calm and wonderful demeanor about himself. I love listening to his podcast. I get a lot out of it as a career advisor myself. So I highly recommend it to anybody that is looking for a job or is in an advisor role. Yeah, his podcast is definitely packed full of great information. What we covered today was like just the tip of the iceberg. So yeah, you're definitely going to want to head over there and check that out. And check out his book called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. You will get a lot out of that if you're looking to change careers or if you're interested in landing a job. And if you are in the Portland, Oregon area, head on over to MaxList. It's a wonderful job board. And while you're at it, you can check out his PR firm, Pritchard Communications. And for anyone that wants to support our podcast, we would love to have you. So please subscribe, rate, review, and we would really appreciate that. And you can follow us on social media and all of those links will be in our show notes. So have a great day, everyone. And thanks so much for listening. And thank you, Mac, for coming on. Yes, thanks and have a great day. This has been an Academic and Career Advising Services production.